0: Oh man, Matthew chapter sixteen, Romans chapter five. I'm gonna I'm gonna begin a series of talks. Um, I don't know if this message is actually in the series or not because uh, the series of talks is truly about some things that we are as a church all in on, um, and really that has everything to do with our culture and our belief system, why we do what we do. And over the next few weeks, I'm gonna be talking to you a lot about some of the things that. We are passionate about doing as a church um, and and today, I wanted to give you the why behind why we do what we do um, and I started to look a little bit deeper into the the why we do what we do and the why always comes back to people, but it goes even further back to to god <laughs> and um, I started to think about. The motivation, like the long-term motivation that I have for serving the Lord and doing things for God. In other words, Jesus said it this way, he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, right? And and truly the motivation for doing anything for God is because we love him, right? Is that, is that why we do things for God? We don't do things for God to make God love us. We do things for God because we love him. And then the Bible tells us that we love him because he first loved us. And so I I just, honestly, I just wanted to talk to you before we get into all of these things that I believe we should be doing for the Lord, I wanted to make sure we have the proper motivation uh, before we launch into a series of talks about these things that we should be doing for God, for his church, for people, for the world. I wanted to make sure we have the proper motivation, because I want you to understand that as I'm asking these things of you, as I'm asking you as a church to go all in for the kingdom of God and to give your whole life for the kingdom, I want to show you why you should be willing to give your life for God. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in Romans, it says that we should offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. And it says, this is your reasonable service. Isn't that an amazing thing? That we should give our whole lives to God and it's a reasonable request. Why is it a reasonable request? It's a reasonable request because of what Jesus has done for us and what God was willing to sacrifice for us. The reason we should go all in for the kingdom is because heaven was willing to go all in for us. Heaven gave us its best gift in the son of God. And I don't know if you are, but I am extremely thankful this morning for what Jesus has done for me. I am thankful this morning that he has loved me first. I am thankful that he has given me the opportunity to love him back. And so if my love causes me to keep his commandments, if my love for him is the thing that makes me want to do things for him, then I should work on my love for him. How do I work on Loving Him better. I work on loving Him better by understanding how much He loves me. Isn't that a good thing? I, I, I work on loving Him better by getting a better grasp on the things that He has done for me. And my, my reasonable response, the overflow of knowing this information, will cause me to love Him more. I, I just want to simply talk to you today about... What God does for you, as far as what God has done with your sin, what the links that God has gone to and through so that you could be free. And just like we are celebrating this weekend, the veterans in our country who are willing to pay the ultimate price so that we could be free. We serve a God who is willing to go to whatever length, whatever depth. There is, like the song we sing, there is no mountain high enough. There isn't a valley low enough. There isn't a wall thick enough. There isn't a barrier that can keep God from us. He is committed to our freedom. Are you thankful this morning that God is totally and fully committed to you being free? I'm thankful for that. Matthew 16, 25, I want to read a quick portion of Scripture, and then we're going to jump into the portion of Scripture for today. This Matthew 16, 25 is going to literally be the, the Scripture verse for this, this theme that's going to take us into the new year. What's what the Bible says here. It says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And I want to talk to you today about why Jesus is willing, or Jesus is worth us giving up our lives for him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together with other people in your kingdom and together together with other people in our community. God, because not everybody here today is saved. Not everybody here today believes in you. But God, we are thankful that we are in this room today with people of faith, people not of faith, maybe people of other faiths. We are believing, Jesus, that as you are lifted high, that everybody in this room will be drawn to you. You are, you are the ultimate end of life. You are the ultimate goal of life. And we thank you for this opportunity today. In Jesus' name, and everybody say it. said amen. amen. Romans chapter 5. I'm going to read a few verses to you here. Romans chapter 5. And I'm reading today from the New King James Version, Romans chapter five. I'm going to read the first um, eight verses here, if if I can stop, because Romans chapter five is literally probably one of the top three of my favorite uh, chapters in the entire Bible. So once I get started, it's kind of hard for me to stop because I love this chapter so much. So let's let's read it, and we'll hopefully and prayerfully, so I can end the sermon today. Stop at verse eight. Okay, this is how my mind works. Anyhow. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps even for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Can you say amen? Christ died for us. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But the beauty of God's love is that we were neither good nor righteous, and he died for us while we were still sinners. This is how committed God is to you, that even if you don't commit yourself to him, he's willing to die for you. Because the Bible said, for God loved the whole world, not just the people who would receive him, but the people who would reject him. Isn't that a supernatural, overwhelming kind of love today? That even though you might reject him, he was still willing to die for you. And that is one of the motivating factors for why I love him, why I serve him, why I have determined that he is worth my whole life, that there is no plan B when it comes to this thing. Because even if I would have never said yes, he would have still sacrificed his life and given his all for me. I think he's willing of my all can somebody say amen he's willing he's worthy of my all oh man Christ in our place not an amazing thing one person said it like this that Jesus didn't die didn't didn't just die for us but he died as us I think that's a very powerful statement let me talk to you for a minute about how committed God is to giving you victory over sin one of the first things I notice in scripture is that your sin is something that God deals with. In other words, um, when Jesus came, Jesus came and died because our sin was keeping us from God. Our sin was keeping us from God. And we had a law system in place that was, it was a director, it was, it was uh, teaching us, godliness, but it wasn't making us like God. So in other words, even when the Ten Commandments came and the law of Moses came, those, those commandments and those laws did not come to make God love his people because God had already loved and chosen his people. Those laws and commands came for God was trying to teach us how to love him and love the people we were around. It's literally what they were for. The law was never intended to make us righteous. It could never do that because we could never keep it. The law was intended for us to fall so desperately on our face and and realization that we can't do it, that we would cry out, we need a savior, we need help. And here Jesus comes on the scene and Jesus through his sacrifice deals with our sin and he deals with our sin so totally and so fully that it's amazing to me. I just want to talk to you about some of the things that Jesus has done when it comes to your sin. One of the first things you see in scripture is that Jesus condemns your sin. Watch this, Jesus condemns your sin. The Bible tells us here in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1, it said that God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So in other words, when Jesus became sin for us, watch what God did to your sin. He caused sin to lose all of its rights and claims over your life. Every claim that sin had over you, every right that sin had over you, everything that you deserved, everything that you should have taken upon yourself, he took upon himself, and now because of it, sin has been condemned. That means that for the believer, sin has no right in your life, and it has no claim to your life. Can I give you some good news this morning that should help you leave this place free? That when you gave your life to Jesus, everything that you had ever done lost its right and claim over you. In other words, what that means is that nothing that you have done before you gave your life to Jesus has any right to come now and attack your purpose and the plan that God has for your life. There are a lot of people worried that their past is going to keep them from their future. And I understand that fear and I understand that concern. But when you come to Christ, he he causes those sins to lose their right and claim over you. And then he turns them on their head. And the thing that you thought was going to disqualify you is actually the thing that God uses to open up your mouth and help set people free. That addiction, that brokenness, that pain you felt, those failures actually become a way that God uses you to bring deliverance into other people's lives. And the thing that the enemy thought had claim over you and right over you has lost its right and lost its claim. Why are you still sitting in your seat afraid of your past? (laughs) now watch this this is what happened to sin god found sin guilty and sentenced sin to be punished and carried out the penalty of its suffering in the death of his son that's why the bible says we were crucified with christ Not only was Christ crucified, but our sin was crucified. Our sin was killed. Our sin was destroyed. And its power over our lives was was destroyed. So God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now watch that transaction. God made him who knew no sin to become sin. You, You don't become a sinner because you sin, the Bible clearly teaches that we are born into sin. So I gotta tell you, you're, <laughs> I've, I've got four kids, and all four of them um, needed Jesus the same, but in, in my eyes, some of them needed Jesus more than others. <laughs> like, especially when they were little. Like, I was worried a couple times about one or two of my kids, when they were three and four, I was like, the devil <laughs> has got a particular hold on this one. <laughs> and uh, it's going to take a little bit more blood. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, you're not like, you know it's the same cross, and the, but you just are like, it's just going to take a little bit more blood for this one. Like, it's just going to take a little bit more Jesus for this one. But they they were not they were not a sinner, because they were bad when they were three, and your five year old was good. And then at seven they became a, no no that's not how sin works. You are either uh, you are you have either become sin or you have become righteous. Watch this when you when you are born you you become sin. You are born into. That's a that's got to be an old phone cuz that's a weird ring. It's like a so I still got that like flip phone. Remember that like What was that thing? I'm sorry, I can't. That's how my mind I just That, that sound like a satellite phone or like remember the phone in your car that big one that took up half of your uh, <laughs> I'm just messing with you. <laughs> But when you are born, you become sin. And then when you give your life to Jesus, you become righteous. You didn't do anything to become a sinner. And you don't do anything to become righteous. You became a sinner because of Adam, and you become righteous because of Jesus. So where are you putting your faith this morning? Are you putting your faith in Adam are you putting your faith in Jesus? I would recommend you put your faith in Jesus, and it allows you to become righteous. Now I am righteous, not because of the righteous things I have done, but because of the righteousness of God that has overtaken my life because of who I believe in. It's good. So he has condemned my sin. Watch this. I love this, I love this portion of scripture in, in the message Uh, In the Message Bible, it says this in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. It says, with the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, the fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ's being here for us no longer have to live under a contentious, low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. God went for the jugular when he sent his own son. He didn't deal with the problem as something remote and unimportant. In his son Jesus, he personally took on the human condition, entered the disordered mess of a struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. The law code, weakened as it always was by fractured human nature, could never have done that. The law always ended up being used as a band-aid on sin instead of a deep healing of it. And now what the law code asked for but we couldn't deliver is accomplished as we, instead of redoubling our own efforts, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. Isn't that good? This is your only hope, that it is God who justifies. It is Christ Jesus who died, who was raised, and who intercedes. It's your only hope. So he condemns your sin. Secondly, he carries it. He carries it. I don't understand why you keep walking around carrying something that God wants to carry for you. Have you ever had somebody carry something for you? It's a, it's a, it's a really nice thing that happens sometimes when I go to, go to other churches and, and I arrive at the airport. And I go to, I've got my bag with me or I go to, to baggage claim. The person who's there to pick me up—they're always trying to to take my bag from me, because it, it's it's not just that they're they're trying to to be nice and serve; they're wanting me to be free. They're wanting me to to be free to free to use my hands. The feeling of of not having stuff to carry is is an overwhelming feeling. The other day we were we were we were we were we were shopping. And, and Monica was buying stuff, and I wasn't buying anything. And when, 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 when she would buy something, when, well, I, would, I was buying stuff. I just wasn't buying it for me, if you know what I'm saying. Like, I, <laughs> so we would get it from, from, the, from the department store, and then I would take the bag, and I would hand it to her. And then I didn't realize, like, a few minutes later, I'm, like, walking around the mall like this, and I turn around, and Monica's got, like, all of these bags. <laughs> kind of like when we had little babies. Like, I'd be walking into church with my Bible, like, how's it going? And she's like carrying four children. Like, what kind of husband am I? And, and uh, yeah, that's, yeah, husbands help your wives carry the babies um, and change some diapers. It's a good thing. Um, but, but there is this, there is this like freedom. And I'm walking around and I'm like, why is she trailing behind? And then I turn around and I realize, oh, she's got five bags. And two of them had, had heavy things in them. Like shoes that she didn't need and other things. I don't I hope she's not watching this morning. She's at home. Her back is down. She's out in her back. Probably because I made her carry all that stuff at the mall the other day. I just put that together. Okay. All right. So I need to apologize right now, honey. I want to apologize. But, but, but do you notice how, how there's, there's freedom in that? And God, God wants you to understand, hey, when you come to me, I don't want you to just come to me and tell me about your problems. I don't want you to just come to me and reveal your issues. I want you to, the Bible says, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Psalm 55 and 22, cast your burden on the Lord, it says, and he will sustain you. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. Watch what the Bible says. He never sinned nor deceived anyone. He did not retaliate, though, when he was insulted nor threatened, revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. Watch this, verse 24. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. This is why God wants to make this exchange with you. It's not that he doesn't want you to carry anything, because when he invites us into fellowship with him, he says, hey, I want you to take something, but I want you to take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's a divine exchange. This is an unreasonable exchange that God would say, hey, I want you to bring me all of your sin, all of your guilt, all of your wrongs, all of the stuff you've done, all of the stuff that you're carrying that is hurting you and holding you back, I want you to give that to me, and in place of that, I want to give you righteousness, I want to give you peace, I want to give you joy, I want to give you long suffering, I want to give you, oh, is it an amazing thing? It's an unreasonable thing that God would say, hey, give me all of your junk, and I want to give you some beautiful things. But he is willing to carry it, So let's let him carry it. I'm telling you this morning, there is no reason for you to leave this place hanging on to anything in your life that is weighing you down. The Bible says it's sin and it's weight that so easily beset us. It is these things that is causing us to walk with our heads down, walk with our hearts down, walk in our emotions, live in our feelings. And God said, I don't want you to live in your feelings. I don't want you to live in your emotions. I want you to live in the place where you are seated. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. I don't want you to I don't want you to walk around carrying a realm that you were never designed to carry. Give your Sin to me. Give your struggle to me. You know what you have to do? You have to bring that thing to Jesus and trust that He is capable of carrying it. Because if not, you'll be, you'll be pulling it back from Jesus and saying, Thanks for the offer, but I got this. And how many times do we come to church and God offers us something? And we say, thanks, thanks for the offer, but, but I've got this. And we leave with stuff that we were not supposed to. To leave with. He carries. Our sin. He personally. Carries. Our sin. Matthew 23. Says. It, Jesus is talking. He's talking about how. That. The scribes and the Pharisees. Would lay heavy burdens. On the people's shoulders. But they wouldn't lift a finger. To help them carry it. You know you are in a. In a. In a church. That is. That is. Uh, that is. That's a a legalistic environment when you're constantly bombarded with things and rules and things to do without understanding that God is there to help you carry it when you when you leave church thinking that this depends upon me and this is on my shoulders and this is my responsibility then then you will lose your life, you, you will lose your life because you will keep trying to save it like Matthew 16 says, and in trying to save it, you will actually lose it. But the Bible is so clear, it says, hey, if you wanna really find life, you've got to lose life. What you thought was the meaning of life, what you thought was the purpose of life, what you thought was the idea of life, you have to lose all of that because I'm trying to give you something and I wanna carry that thing that's holding you back. Oh man, he wants to carry it. Watch this, and then thirdly, he cancels it. Colossians chapter two, verse 13 through 14 says, and you were dead, and you who were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Then he set it set aside, nailing it to the cross. Number four, he casts it away. Micah chapter 7 verse 19 says, he will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Psalm 103 and 12 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. And the fifth thing, I love this, and this is probably my favorite thing about God and what he does with my sin is he refuses to remember it. Jeremiah 31 and 34 says, and no longer shall each one of you teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no longer. Listen, church, you have to stop reliving what God has forgotten. You have to stop rehearsing the thing that God can't remember anymore. And and I'm telling you, I understand that it was hard and I understand that it was difficult and I understand that it was painful. But every time you bring it up, Every time you bring it up, you are reliving something that God has forgotten. And I want you to know this morning that it doesn't matter what you did. And I'm telling you today that even if you did something that you have to pay the consequences as far as the law is concerned, as far as natural law and human law, you have to go to prison. Can I tell you, sitting in a prison cell, you are still free from your sin. See, that's, that's what you have to understand this morning, that, that even though even though men remember it, And you have to pay a price for it here in the earth. If you steal and you get arrested, you might get some jail time. You you might have consequences to pay. But can I tell you, even though men are making you pay consequences. God is not making you pay the consequence. God is not punishing you. God is not mad at you. God is not angry with you. God isn't waiting for you to get out of the prison cell before he'll love you. God isn't waiting for you to get over your addiction before he'll love you. God isn't waiting for you to get your life right before he will love you. God isn't waiting for you to turn around before he will turn towards you. I'm telling you this morning, no matter what you did, no matter what you did, no matter how terrible it was, He has forgotten it. It is under his blood, and you are forgiven. And religious people hate that because they want to believe that there are certain things that God just holds against us. Like, well, what about the unpardonable sin? The unpardonable sin is rejecting the Holy Spirit. Do you know what the Holy Spirit's job is? To convict you of your sin so that you believe in what he has done for you. On. <laughs> the only way to not be forgiven, the only thing that is unforgivable is to, is to believe that you are not forgivable. Wow. Wow. People, people are like, well, what about the unpardonable? The unpardonable sin is to believe that sin is unpardonable. It's to reject the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit trying to do? Reveal sin that God wants to forgive. And when you reject the Holy Spirit, you're like, no, I got this. No, I'm fine. I don't need you, God. I don't need your forgiveness. I don't need to be washed clean. I, I'm good. I'm, I'm fine just like I am. And God's saying, I, I want to forgive, but you don't believe forgiveness is possible. I want to heal you, but you keep rejecting the mechanism of my healing, and that's the Spirit of God in your life. I want to restore you, but you keep saying no. I thought the unpardonable sin was saying, saying a really bad cuss word there. That... <laughs> No, the only way you won't be forgiven is that you don't believe you can be forgiven. How about that? So here we are. Here we are. We are faced with a God who is completely and fully devoted to our freedom. What are we going to do about it? Are we just going to come to church week after week and just thank Him for it? That's fantastic. That's wonderful. Are we just going to come to church week after week and pat each other on the back and high five each other and then leave? Are we going to come each week and feel His presence and hear His word? And then leave and do nothing. No, based on what he has done. Based on how committed he is to my freedom. I think it's time for us to go all in on him. I think it's time for you to stop making any excuse as to why God can't use you. I think it's time for us to stop wasting our time trying to save our lives. We do that so many different ways. We pursue so many different things. And we end up frustrated every time. But we keep repeating that same cycle in our life. We keep thinking money's gonna make us happy and then when we get it and realize we're still not happy, somehow we keep making that pursuit. Can I, I just wanted to give you just a simple reminder as to why He is worth your whole life. Can I tell you nothing better is coming into your life than Jesus? If if you're waiting on something other than the day Jesus walked into your life to bring you fulfillment, you'll be waiting for the rest of your life because nothing will fulfill you like Jesus. I don't don't care how long you live. There is nothing, if if you're 20 and say you live to be 80, in the next 60 years of your life, there is nothing that's going to happen to you in your life that is going to be better than the day Jesus walked into your life. I don't care if you're an Alabama fan and they win the next 20 national championships. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. But it will not compare it to the day Jesus walked into your life. If Tennessee goes 12-0 and 0 next year and beats Alabama in the national championship, it's going to be fun. but it's not gonna be better than the day Jesus walked into your life. If you get the promotion you've been dreaming of tomorrow, it's gonna be great, but it's not gonna be better than the day Jesus walked into your life. So can I, can I tell you something? I want us as a church body to make a decision that because Jesus is the best thing that has ever happened to us, We are all in for him. Like we are holding nothing back as a church. We are going to spend the next however long we are alive giving our best to Jesus. The best of our time, the best of our energy, the best of our gifts, the best of our generosity. It belongs to him because nothing better than him is ever going to happen to us. Can you say amen this morning? I wonder if you'd stand on your feet this morning and just worship him for a